Good morning. My name is Stuart Davidson. I'm the pastor here at Eastern Shore Baptist Church. Thank you for tuning in to today's podcast. You can learn more about our church by visiting our website, www.myesbc.net. Of course, if you would like to visit us on a Sunday morning, you'll see that we have life group classes or Sunday school classes that start at 9 a.m. And our service starts every Sunday at 1010 a.m. Come by and see us. God bless you. And I hope that you are motivated to look more like Jesus through today's podcast. Good morning. My name is Bryant Thompson, and uh, this is a pleasure to be here with you this morning. It's great to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. After singing like that, how can you not want to praise our God? Uh, you know, yes, it's a little different for me and for you. Uh, when I first started Eastern Shore Baptist Church, I was a back row Baptist back there with Mike Hovey. And over the course of the time, I was uh, came to sit down front, and now I'm here. I'm not sure where the next spot is. This is kind of different for me as well. But uh, how many of you remember groundbreaking 2001? How many of y'all were here for that? Brother Grant came to me, and he said, what are we going to do about Brown Gregory for this brand new sanctuary that we're fixing to build in nursery building? I said, hey, let's let the kids do it this year, this time. We've done it all the other times when adults would stand there with their shovels in the ground and their hard hats on with smiles on their faces, wearing their suits, knowing they weren't going to dig any dirt. So, uh, but we had the children of Eastern Shore Baptist Church. I ordered a big giant dump truck load of sand, bought 150 of these little bitty kid-sized hard hats, and uh, about 150 little shovels, and uh, we turned loose those kids on a Sunday afternoon and, uh, and had pictures of them. I think I may have some pictures that may come up. Y'all remember that? Little red, white, and blue hard hats. And uh, as the kids played and dug and threw sand on each other, it was a great time. Uh, but, uh, you know, for demonstration purposes only, I got my hair cut real short. For this Now, if anybody knows Bear Bryant or knows anybody that played for Bear Bryant or has ever written, read anything that Bear Bryant ever wrote, we know that he does not like men to wear hats in church. Isn't that right? Right. But I'm going to put it on for y'all to show you if this actually does fit. How about that? Looks good, doesn't it? Had, it? had my hair cut short so it wouldn't mess up my do this morning. But these are the, little, the hard hats and the shovels. Y'all remember that? That was then. This is now. This was October the 28th, 2001, 18 years, two months ago, when we did this. Jonathan, come up here and get this before I hurt somebody or me or, the, or tear something up up here. So, uh, but that was then. This is now. What, you know, we don't have a whole lot more ground to break on Eastern Shore Baptist Church property. So the groundbreaking that we're going to be doing, that we're going to be talking about today, is the groundbreaking in the lives of people. And that's what we're here to do, Right? We're here to invest in people and, and, and help people and, and bring them into the church. Bring them to the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. So, and that was groundbreaking then, and this is groundbreaking now. Uh, and so, today also part of that past, when we assembled this sanctuary, before the pews were in here, Jack Stover engineered exactly where every one of these pews was supposed to go, and we put them right there. And before the carpet was on the floor, we had church members from the children's department all the way to the senior adults that came in. Gary shaking his head, he remembers, that came in and we gave them, we tore down the yellow caution tape, took down the construction door, and 
children and adults came in here together and wrote Bible verses all over this floor. There was hundreds and hundreds of Bible verses across the floor under your feet. Did y'all, did y'all remember that? Y'all realize that? Y'all remember that? So we're walking on top of Bible verses today. Our sanctuary foundation, literal sanctuary foundation, is covered with Bible verses. Our spiritual foundation as a church should be anchored, and it is anchored in God's Word. Amen? Back there in the, in the back, next to the very uh, front doors of the sanctuary, I wrote my verse in big red magic marker, Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, Stuart talked about it last night. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will direct thy paths. Right there where my mama ward is sitting is where that mama ward, did you know that? Underneath your feet today is my life verse. That's my mama ward in the back. Uh, mama, we're, we're coming for uh, uh, January 1st for black eyed peas and, and gumbo, just to let you know. This is great. I get to talk about Eastern Shore Baptist Church and set up my New Year's Day uh, meal at the same time, isn't it neat? But right here, one of our youth, one of our young ladies, she wrote the, the verse Ephesians uh, two eight and nine. I think it's in your your uh, your your outline this morning, and uh, it says, "For by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not from yourself; it is a gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast." This is great news, isn't it? That grace is free; we don't have to earn it. Amen? We can't earn it. There's nothing that we can do good enough to say that I have earned the free grace of God. That's not the way that God has put this together. But he doesn't stop right there. Paul doesn't end it with that verse, verse 9. Thank, in, in a way, thank goodness. But he, he turns around and he finishes it with verse 10. He says, for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus. Now, church, don't miss this part. He says, to do good works which God has prepared in advance for us to do. So it doesn't just stop. Good going, guys. You made a profession of faith. Now you got fire insurance. You can go to heaven. We're going to baptize you, and that's it. That's not how it ends. He, he says that we are created in God's handiwork in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared for us in advance to do. I know some of you guys, that you come home on Saturdays or you're around the house on Saturday and your wife has you a honeydew list, right? I'm sure, uh, sure of that. She has you lined out. Well, what Paul is saying is that God has us lined out with work, with work to do. And that is groundbreaking 2020 for Eastern Shore Baptist Church. That is where I want to focus today is in that part of the groundbreaking uh, and, and through a lesser known passage in the Old Testament. Uh, and this is one of my favorite passages probably uh, in the Old Testament. Defines grace, grace in action. Uh, and it's from an Old Testament passage in the book of 2 Samuel. So if you're in your Bibles, you can go ahead and start uh, finding 2 Samuel. And uh, we're going to begin in chapter 9. Uh, but, uh, you know, it, it, grace should be one of the words that defines Christians. In fact, if, the, if you're defined as a graceful person, as a Christian, that's probably one of the most highest compliments, the highest compliment that you can receive uh, in, in that. You know, the world will look at you and say, you know, you're wasting your time showing grace to people. You're wasting your time preaching about being saved by grace. 
But guys, if we are graceful people to the world around us, this is groundbreaking. If we are graceful people to the world around us, the world will want more of us in their lives. Y'all believe that? We have an example sitting on the front row. He doesn't know I'm going to talk about this. His, his name is Jonathan Smith. He goes and he spends two years in France with his wife and as they work on the mission field together. Two years that he invested in the lives of the people there. He showed grace beyond measure to everyone that he came across. Those same people now want Jonathan to come back to them or for them to be able to come and see Jonathan. Is it because Jonathan's this big old handsome guy? Is it because Brenda's just great, big, great, fantastic cook? Which she is, and Jonathan, yeah, he is, yeah. That's not why. It's because they show grace to people, and these are North African, Middle Eastern people. These are not Christians. They're looking at Jonathan, and they say, we want more Jonathan in our life. We need more Brenda Taylor in our life. That is what great, being a graceful Christian is all about. We have uh, situations all around our church where we can show grace to those that are in need. We can show grace, by the way, church, to each other. Amen? We have a lot of work to do. A lot of grace that needs to be shown. So in your Bibles this morning, 2 Samuel chapter 9, we're going to start with verse 1, and we're going to go through about verse 7, and then we're going to skip down to verse 13. If you'll turn there in your Bibles this morning. You know, this is about David. You know, we know the exploits of David from... You know, he took a rock to a sword fight and killed a giant, right? He also, later on in his life, he got messed up with Bathsheba. So we have a story of, unbelievable story of a man of God that also falls away from the Lord. But in the middle of that, mashed in the middle of that is this one story. And it's probably at the pinnacle of King David's life. The kingdom had expanded from 6,000 square miles to 60,000 square miles. The world was trying to come to David to do business with David. They had built roads all the way to where David was so they could have commerce from Egypt, from Mesopotamia, from all around so that they would have an ability to do trade with them, to be partners with David because they wanted to be with David. Now, you know, and David, this is a man after God's own heart. God says, you're a man after my own heart. We'll talk about that a little bit more in, in, a, in a minute. But uh, these are, this was from King David and a promise that he had made many years before, or a covenant that he had made uh, many years before. So 2 Samuel chapter 9, verse 1, David asked, Is there anyone still left of the house of Saul to whom I can show kindness for Jonathan's sake. Now we need to identify the players here. King David. We know him and we know his exploits. We know he was one of the most ruthless but successful kings in all of Israel. He was ruthless. He actually killed a bunch of his own, kid, his own kinfolk, the Moabites, that were his, on his grandmother's side. Remember Ruth? The Moabite. Well, David goes and he decimates many of them. And he literally wipes two-thirds of them off the earth. That's the kind of ruthlessness that David could show. 
So, and we also know of, of exploits of, of David as he actually had his best friend murdered or put him to the front lines to where he would, be, would have been murdered. So we see David. That's the first one. And one of the most prosperous, ruthless kings in the history of Israel. And then the next person that we see is Saul. Saul was the previous king. Saul drifted from what his mission was. God finally grabs, gets a hold of Saul, and he says, Saul, your earthly days are numbered. You're on your way out. King David, he's going to be my next man. He's a, God, he's a man after God's own heart. He says, and the Bible clearly says, because he will shepherd my people. So King David is going to be king, a man after my own heart, God's own heart, because he will shepherd the people of Israel. That's the reason it, King David had plenty of blood on his own hands, the Bible says. King David had plenty of exploits that were not very good. The Bible clearly tells us that. But God still says, you're a man after my own heart. See, church, we can go the wrong direction. We can do things that are not how we're supposed to do. We can treat each other many times in ways that we shouldn't. But if we have the heart of a shepherd, if we have the heart of someone that's willing to help somebody else we have the heart of someone that's willing to feed the lost or feed the hungry help the lost then we have that same kind of heart and that's what david had uh in that and so he says you know david is a man after my own heart king saul you're on your way out king david's on the way in next we see jonathan early in his life jonathan became a very close friend of king david uh, and part of the agreement that they had made as friends, it was a covenant agreement of, or a promise, uh, if you will, was that if one of the other one died in battle, the other one would take care of their ancestors. This was not the normal way to wage war in Israel in that day. Usually a conquering king would come to town, and if he defeated the other king, he would also execute all the family members that were still left because he didn't want an uprising to come back against him. So he would just take care of that business right off the bat. But Jonathan and David made a covenant agreement, and, da and Jonathan realized, David, you're a man after God's own heart. God's got big plans for you in this kingdom. He says, you're going to be the next king, not me. Even though I'm Saul's son, you're going to be the next kingdom, next king. And he says, David, when, I, when I'm gone, would you please take care of my offspring? And they made that agreement, and that's what they end up doing. So in this, even though Jonathan was the next son in line or the next person in line to be king, he realizes that. So the promise was made. So, uh, you know, King David, then we see him ask this loaded question uh, that seems to be at first and to no one in particular. But believe me, when the king spoke, people listened. And listen to the words that, that, that he asked. He says, is there anyone left from the house of Saul that I can show the kindness of God to is there anyone left? Well, anyone that's listening is going, is King David fixing to go try to wipe out the rest of the house of Saul if there's anyone left? Is that what his goal is? And then, so the most powerful man around is looking for the descendants of the previous king to be nice to him? The world would say, no, no grace shown here. This is bad news for anybody that's left over from the lineage of Saul and Jonathan. Then verses 2 and 3, now there was a servant of Saul's household named Ziba. 
They summoned him to appear before David, and the king said to him, Are you Ziba? At your service, he replied. The king answered, Is there still no one left alive from the house of Saul to whom I can show God's kindness? Ziba answered uh, the king. He said, There is still a son of Jonathan. He is lame in both feet. So King David asked the servant of Ziba, he says, the direct question. He says, is there anyone left from the house of Saul? Ziba knows he has to answer correctly. He has to answer truthfully. He says, yes, there is. There's this son of Jonathan. He says, you know, you remember Jonathan, your friend? There's this son left. But he's lame in both feet. He can't help you. He's no great theologian. He's no great businessman. He's no great warrior. He can't fight for you. He can't fight against you. He's lame in both feet. He can't even walk. He's saying, Jonathan, what is it that you want with this guy? And Jonathan, of course, has the heart of a shepherd. He's a man after God's own heart. You know, the world would look at this man and say, that that person is a useless nobody. Jesus, on the other hand, he would call him the least of these. Matthew 25, 40. The king will reply, Truly I tell you, whatever you did for the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, help me out with this church, you did for right. You did for me. So as the story of 2 Samuel 4, before we see this person that they're bringing, that, that David is wanting to see, we see how Jonathan's son became lame years before. The, the kingdom of Saul, this is probably 15 years before. The kingdom of Saul is under attack. They're waging war against the kingdom, uh, king, kingdom of Saul. They want to hide this young man because this is Jonathan's son. And they realize for us to ever hold another resurrection or another time that we can be in, in control or in power, we have to have this, this young man right here because he can be the next king. He can be the next in line. So they want to hide him. But in the process of war, somehow the part of the scripture lets you realize they dropped this young baby. He's four years old if he's a baby. They dropped this child. And the child never regained the ability to walk. So now he's lame in both feet. So now 15 years later, the most powerful king in the land, King David, knows there's still someone left from King Saul. Normally, that would have been a problem for David. But David has this covenant agreement, and he has the heart of a shepherd. He's a man after God's own heart. So let's look at four and five together. Where is he, the king asked. Ziba answered, he is in the house of Machir, son of Amil, in the land of Lodabar. So King David had him brought from Lodabar, from the house of Machir, the, the son of Amil. The, so the mightiest and deadliest king around wants to know the location of the grandson of Saul, and Ziba answers, he's in Lodabar. Well, let's look at the word Lodabar. Low means no in this context. 
Debar pasture. So this is, he is from a land of no pasture. He is in the land from a rocky desert outcrop. That's what Lodabar was. He is from nowhere. So, so here's the grandson of Saul. And now he is crippled. He's living in a desert. In the eyes of the world, he owns nothing. He lives nowhere. He amounts to nothing. He's basically a burden to society. <clears throat> He's basically nothing. And now, of all the people, King David wants him this young crippled man brought to the kingdom. Let's look at 6 and 7. Then Mephibosheth, son of Jonathan, the son of Saul, came to David. He bowed to pay honor. David said, and then we finally see his name, Mephibosheth. Say that with me, church. Mephibosheth. That's a tough one, isn't it? Mephibosheth, at your service, he replied, don't be afraid, David said, for I will surely show you kindness for the sake of your father, Jonathan. I will restore to you the land that belonged to your grandfather, Saul, and you will always eat at my table. Amazing, right? Let's notice what King David, a man after God's own heart, does not say, that the world would say. Many times what is not said speaks so much louder than what is said. Right? King David, a man after my, uh, God's own heart, did not say, Mephibosheth, you can never repay me for what I could do for you, so go away. That's not what he said. King David, a man after God's own heart, did not say, I only need people around the kingdom that can help me meet our goals, so you leave. That's not what King David says. King David did not say, whatever did you do to help me? Y'all like that one? Whatever did that person ever do to help me? That's not what King David says. King David, a man after God's own heart, did not say, I have no patience for someone with nothing, living in nothing, reduced to nothing in my kingdom, so I brought you here, and now I'm going to shut the door on you. That's not what King David does. How many times do we do that in society today? Mephibosheth, what King David, the most powerful person of that day, what he did say in verse 7, Mephibosheth, you are welcome here. You are welcome at the king's table. You will eat at the king's table as long as you need. King David did say words that Mephibosheth had never heard in his life. He says, Mephibosheth, you are not invisible I care about you. I will restore you. And neither, and this one hits close to home, and neither did King David turn his face away and look the other way. That's easy to do, isn't it? I don't see that, so it must not be existing. Church, this is groundbreaking 2020 for Eastern Shore Baptist Church. We're entering in a new decade. We can look back on all of our achievements, all the groundbreakings we've done in the past, but this is truly where we should be as a church. Verse 7 says it best. 
King David looks at Mephibosheth, and you can see it in his eyes, and he says, Mephibosheth, I will restore you. Church, we're in the restoration business. We're in the restoration of people business. That's what we should be doing. From the youngest teenager that's in here to the most senior adult, we are in the restoration of people business. That is groundbreaking 2020. You know, we need our hard hats on, our hard hats of grace and our shovels of compassion ready with the Lord's direction we can help the physically hurting. We can feed the physically hungry. We can bring the lost to eat at the table of the King of Kings. Amen? To point them to Jesus Christ. Church, this is a continual groundbreaking for Eastern Shore Baptist Church. As I was doing this, I could hear the words in my mind of John Newton's song, and all of you know it in here if you want to say it with me, ringing in my head, amazing grace, how sweet the sound that, that uh, saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found Twas blind, but what? Amen. We're all Mephibosheths in some way. <coughs> we all need grace. We all need the ability to be, enter into the king of kings and to dine with him. You know, church, we know of King David's exploits, just like we know of our own past. We know of problems with Bathsheba, but we still know that God called King David a man after my own heart. This is a story of grace shown to Mephibosheth, shows in vivid detail why God called David the shepherd boy to sheep, to turn to king as a shepherd to the people, why he calls him a man after my own heart. Mephibosheth was a helpless sheep that could never repay the king. He could never do anything to help the king. Just like we, we can't earn our own salvation. We can't earn grace. But it's up to us to show that grace to the world around us that so desperately needs to hear, so desperately needs to see us. And pay attention here to verse 13. And Mephibosheth lived in Jerusalem because he always ate at the king's table. He was lame in both feet. You know, I love to catch church members in public doing things that are, that are good. We've all, we've all been to Walmart, we know. That one aisle. There's one aisle at Walmart I just will not walk down. So, but we love to go to, to, we love to catch church members in public and observe them away from these buildings in their mission field, tending to their Mephibosheths, showing grace in action. <clears throat> this happened last year. A family of four walked in the door that had lost everything. They were being kicked out of their little apartment. And as Stuart was listening to them, I could see the compassion welling up inside of him, and I knew we were, fixing to, we were fixing to help these people. And as Dr. Davidson listened to them, I went ahead and got in my truck because I knew we were fixing to go help them move into a motel room. 
So I'm in my truck. Stuart comes out there and gets in his whatever little half truck that is that he drives. I don't know. Oh, okay, Stuart, I know you're listening. It is a truck. It's a truck. It's a truck. I'm going to hear about that. I promise you there. And we go to this house and we load up all their belongings or this little apartment. We load up all their belongings and we take them to a motel room where we could pay for them to stay for a few days just to get them off of the streets. And I walk into the lobby and to the sheer horror of the person that sees me, I can see it in his face. He is there working with his Mephibosheth. He is paying for a man to stay, get off of the streets that's been living in his car. If I told you his name, you would say, I recognize him. I know who you're talking about. His wife is a lady after God's own heart. His children, I know them well. They're children after God's own heart. And as he paid for them, I looked at him and I realized that is truly a man after God's own heart. He's a deacon of our church. You should be proud. You would be proud. I found out later on this is actually a regular occurrence with this man. And I know his wife has a regular occurrence of other people that she's helping. There is so much more, church, that binds us together when we take care of those that are in need when we look for our Mephibosheths that can ever separate us as individuals. I encourage you today to be looking for your Mephibosheth. Find your person to help. If you, if you want to help a Mephibosheth, I've got a list of them. We have a, a lady today that walked into my office crying in tears in her eyes from the Stockton Food Distribution and says, I need to get in touch with this lady that's there they lost their daughter, I mean, they lost their mother four days before Christmas. The mother died. As we were giving them their Christmas presents, I just, I just couldn't fathom losing them, this child losing her mother to cancer at that time. And so this lady standing there says, I have to go take care of this child. She is there now, by the way. She didn't come to church so that she could go and take needed things to that lady. Which if you're going to miss church, church, that's, that's okay. This is a lady after God's own heart. So my prayer for us as a church is that we find our Mephibosheth. We find that person that we need to help. We have opportunities all around. Giving market, just brought up today. You're going to see a lot of Mephibosheths there that need help. So who is someone that you can show grace to? Who is someone that you can invite to the king's table? Who is someone that we can say, this is groundbreaking 2020, and I am going to do for them what they could never repay? Our world is filled with that. As we go to the Lord in prayer tonight, today, you can tell I usually do this at night. As we go to the Lord in prayer this morning and prepare our hearts to find our Mephibosheth, 
Maybe you need that grace. Maybe you are tired of messing around with God's grace and you're ready today to accept Christ as your Savior. Maybe you want to join a church. We would love to talk to you about that. That is out this right now looking for Mephibosheths and helping those that are in need. Maybe you just need to pray. Pray with someone. We have people all around that will do that with you today. So let's go to the Lord in prayer. Heavenly Father, such a true honor to selfishly say that I'm able to speak to this congregation today. Father, I pray that these words were your words and that they find hearts and encourage them to go out and invite others to the king's table. That they too can find a place where they want to worship, a church they want to join, or to make that profession of faith that Christ is Lord of their life. Father, we lived in such a blessed area We live in an area that, where we can freely worship, where we can come and be a part of a church that reaches out to a community around us. But Father, we pray that each one of us takes that responsibility serious that we too find our Mephibosheths, that we do find our people that are in desperate need, that need to hear a kind word like, I will help restore you. Father, we thank you for the times that we have had in the past. But we so desperately look forward to those days of the future when we can look for our Mephibosheths, when we can find that ground where we can all work together. We can go out and visit those that are in the hospital. We can go out and find those in the nursing home and say kind words to them. Or we can find that person that's living on the street that so ne desperately needs help. Help us to never turn that blind eye to one of your children. As Mephibosheth was one of your children, the, the mightiest person alive was willing to take care of him. And I pray today, Father, that we humbly take that responsibility to heart with each one of us. Thank you for this day, God. Thank you for the day that you have made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Be with those that are not here today. Be with them as they're traveling. Father, I pray for Dr. Stewart. Pray for him and his family as they're on vacation. God, we love you. We pray that today this worship was honoring of you. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thanks again for tuning in to today's podcast, and we hope to see you again on Sunday morning. Of course, you can also watch our services live on YouTube. Simply search Eastern Shore Baptist Church on YouTube, and at 10.05, our broadcast starts. We hope to see you soon. God bless you. And again, visit our website, www.myesbc.net. God bless you, and we'll see you next week.